Welcome to the Work Redefined Podcast, where we believe your employees are your company's most valuable asset. My name is Grace Lang, and I am your host. We are all navigating uncharted waters and need to bridge the generational gap. For the first time in history, there are now five generations in the workforce who all view the world differently. Join us as we learn the best ways to keep your employees engaged and explore the new world of work with our nation's best leaders. Our motto is better work, better world. Now our podcast can only run with your support. So if you want to continue to hear our great stories from leaders all over the US, please support us. Hello everyone, this is Kelsey, and before we just dive right in, I want to introduce you to Shauna Reed, today's guest speaker. So Shauna's drive for reimagining what is possible in the workplace has really led her to work with many business owners and HR executives across multiple industries. Her expertise lies in seeing the big picture and then being able to translate the vision into strategic action. She is passionate about reshaping the common beliefs people have about culture development and workforce planning. She recognized that the largest workforce challenge is its single greatest asset, its people. The need to effectively align people to the business strategy while increasing productivity and retaining talent is paramount. It is because of this discovery that she and her husband started Influent in 2019 and they now together lead corporate culture trainings and workforce planning and development and that's the piece that shauna is most excited about so her proficiency and passion are now delivered by helping companies build dream teams within the organizations through the practice of talent optimization Hey, Shauna, thank you so much for being with me here today. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you about all the great work that you're doing. And I, you know, I did give our listeners just a brief bio around who you are and what you do, but can you elaborate on, on your line of business and how you got into doing what you're doing today? Sure, Kelsey, I uh, thank you. I've actually, you know, I've enjoyed having conversations with you. We we were uh, so lucky to meet about a year ago um, through PI and have been great, you know, great across the country, friends that we can support each other. So thanks for having me as a guest on your podcast. Um, yeah, so, you know, my background, I'll just say briefly, um, I really grew up in a different space around um, consulting, around benefits, insurance, and really my uh, for 20 years, I spent my time, my clients and, and my direct connections were in the HR space. And one of the things that I loved about that was because I was really helping support leaders in the human and, and people resources uh, area of, a, of any business and how much what they did, how they communicated and um, and really that that was the internal customer, right? You know, you're, that that is how they would they would go about their day. So being able to support that was such a was such a joy for me over time. Um, and right as I was getting ready, uh, as it turned out to be my exit from that whole industry, I got to have a, a stint where I worked um, internally at the company I was at, still for the widget I used to be a part of, which was insurance, but I now was inward facing as well. And I just found that my passion was definitely for the people and all the years I had spent working alongside HR, it just showed me that 
since the widget wasn't as important to me, but the people were, how could I do more um, without even the confines of what a company thinks they need from you specifically? So um, in 2018, my husband and I actually, at, while we were still doing our other uh, ventures, decided to start a company, Mfluent. And Mfluent was really born on the idea that uh, in, you know communication is really a language, especially at, at the office in a corporation. So when we look at employer to employee communication, uh, the more fluent you are and the, the ability you have to really speak the right language to have other people understand your intention. Um, we just felt that was the most important thing, regardless of, of what you sell, what you do, and who your employees are. Everyone wants to be heard, understood, and they want to know that what they bring to the table naturally um, is really just as important as the skills they've obtained over their time. So we started Mfluent, that kind of employer-employee fluency, and, uh, and, and became certified partners of PI shortly after. And truly in 2020, in the, in the midst of the pandemic, I uh, decided just to jump in with both feet. So I really came on to, to really just do Mfluent full-time. And it has been amazing. Actually, it's where I've met people like you and the customers that we have obtained over the last year. Um, they're so hungry for this. So I, I feel like finally all the years and, and figuring out what I brought to the table, my unique gifts, um, were able to now come to fruition. And it's exciting every time I get to do it. Mm, that's amazing. Well, it's been so fun to get to know you too, Shauna. And it's crazy to think back to when we first met and how much we've been able to truly stay in touch and stay engaged with one another. Because I know, especially during a pandemic, it's it's created all sorts of new challenges for individuals and businesses. Um, and before I get too far down a rabbit hole with questions, I wanted to make sure we clarify for our listeners, you've mentioned PI a couple times. So mm -hmm. I just want to make sure... Um, what is PI? What does that stand for? And what, what is the company um, all about? Yeah, thanks for asking. And you know, we, you and I, we talk so much about it that it seems like it's just a, a, an acronym everyone knows, but <clears throat> thank you for stopping me on that. So yeah, the predictive index. Uh, most most people out there have encountered it at some point. It's obviously been around, the science has been around since the 50s. Um, and uh, what's been amazing is when we were actually, uh, my husband and I looking at the different options, we, we became DISC certified at one point, we decided to uh, investigate a little further with PI specifically, and, uh, and just found that not only did, did their model, which is, you know, it's, it's a brief assessment. I mean, really no spending 30, 40, 60 minutes on an assessment, it's five minutes, right? Um, it, it takes away the barrier of entry for a lot of employer groups. I don't know if, you know, when you were in the corporate side as well, you know, if you were part of a leadership or an executive team, you, you had the option to have exposure to some of these great assessments that give you self-awareness and they allow you to really um, not only understand yourself, but how do you, you know, talk with maybe your direct teammates. Um, but they're also very hard, usually and cost prohibitive to go below that. So it kind of falls flat after maybe your leadership retreat or whatever it was a part of. And with PI, they, they've created it in a way that it, it's unlimited. Once you go there, you can assess all of your employees. They want you to. And they want you to assess the people coming into your, uh, your organization and, and allow it to be this common language that just continues. And, and uh really it helps to you know, our managers and other leaders within the organization with how do I become better and how am I better for the people that um, I am supposed to be helping and leading. So that is really where the predictive index in my 
humble opinion, uh, shines over the other in the competition. And that's why we've really latched onto that as the tool that we use when we encounter uh, employers that need that type of help, which most do if they don't have something in place already. Um, it's not the only thing that we do, right? But, but PI is something specifically that I, I reference a lot because it is my passion project. It is the one that I, um, that I find just is, it is life-changing for employees and employers when they really embrace it. So that is PI in a nutshell and how we have decided to partner with them specifically. Well, I love what you had to say about PI and what it does. And it sounds like it very much relates to what you were talking about earlier, where one of your passions is to help people with communication. So that employer to employee communication. And so I guess in addition to using behavioral assessment tools to improve communication, what are some of the tips and tricks um, or pieces of advice that you would give to a leader in order to improve communication with their employees? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. So what, what I find is interesting is, you know, we think of assessments <clears throat> as, you know, it's good information, right? So we, we do like to start with an assessment if someone doesn't have that self-awareness. And again, it's not just their own. But one of the things that's really cool when you do a readback with someone from a specific PI assessment is that it not only looks at who you are maybe naturally and, and what you would love to bring to the table if everything were up to you and there was no outside forces. It really has us examine too that point in time that says what are your what's your you know recent environment asking you to do in terms of stretching um, and and is that something that you're doing, you know, easily? Is it something that it's maybe short term? Is it something that you now that you know a little bit more about what you naturally bring to the table, you could really look at ways to um, adapt what you do to better fit what you, you know, your natural drives. And when we find we do that, um, not only does it does it create a different perspective for them to go and do what they do. So as a leader, going and talking to people, understanding their communication style in terms of maybe I like to just talk you know, stream of consciousness, I just have ideas and I like to talk them out. That's part of the way that I feel comfortable communicating, recognizing that maybe some of the people on my team, they actually really like time to think, you know, that they, they, they like to absorb things and they're not as comfortable maybe throwing out a half-baked idea on the fly. They would much rather have just a little bit more time to, you know, let that marinate and then come to you with good thoughts that they feel confident about before they say them. Those are two very distinct ways to communicate. And, that's just one example of if I understand that about myself and I understand that I'm not, my form of communication is not bad, but it's not the only way. So how can I accommodate the way I like to communicate where I like to talk it out and still give, you know, the, the members of my team who need something slightly different. Maybe I, I look and I know that now. So I say, you know what? I walk up to that person and say, I just, this just came up. I want to talk through this with you. I noticed we're both available later today. I'm going to put something on our calendar. Just want to give you a heads up that I'm going to want to hear your thoughts. And I'll want you to listen to some of the things I'm thinking. Now, all of a sudden I've been able to not, not be who I am, right? I still get to actually have that time, but I've also allowed my team and recognize that their needs are different, just as important, but different. Now the, the opportunity for collaboration and understanding and both sides feeling heard, um, it, just, it just increases. And I bring that up specifically because I don't think the assessment is the reason why all of a sudden communication gets better or that people feel understood and heard. You have to do, you have to take the actions, but usually it's just most people have good intent, right? They, they start with that. We don't think that, right? So without information, what we tend to do as leaders is we see a behavior and with we create a backstory. We actually decide that 
you know, you'd said this, or you acted this way, or you took this action. I'm going to decide out of my lens why you did. So now I've created this backstory that possibly creates a bias on my, on my part. Um, maybe I'm a little bit, you know, offended because I don't know the reasons. And so that's usually what makes a good leader kind of fall short, right? So we, we have the disengagement that can happen. So I would tell you that it, it really, to me, still starts with self-awareness. It's understanding your styles and understanding your style is probably very different from somebody in your organization. How can we make you the most effective at what you do? That's the first tip. Um, I'm, I have others, but I would like leave it at that to say that seems to be the most foundational that has been working when, when we talk with our clients. Well, and what's that one statistic that we know, Shauna? I believe it's 95% um, of people think they're self-aware, but only 15% actually are. Isn't right. that, I, I believe that's the statistic. So Tasha Yurik, she does a, um, I think it's Yurik spelled E-U-R-I-C-H. Um, Tasha yep. Yurik does that TED Talk where she did a study on individuals and their families and their coworkers and found out that most of the people thought they were self-aware, but in reality, they really aren't. Right. Um, so I think that's a really, really good point that you bring up about the importance of we're all so different from one another. Yep. What do you think in this, we call it this new world of work. I mean, there's so much going on. We're amidst what they're calling the great resignation. People are leaving their jobs. Um, a lot of companies are struggling to retain their talent. I mean, what do you think is or are the biggest, um, either one biggest challenge or a couple largest challenges that companies are faced with currently? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it, it has evolved even, I think, each month. I hear something a little different than the one before. We, we obviously even uh, looking in the, the first couple of quarters of this year, you know, the great resignation was, the, was, was predicted, right? They, the Sherm knew it. Uh, the Gallup polls knew it. So, so it's been coming. But what I would say is very interesting. Um, when I'm, I'm the two main things I've heard just recently, and I feel like this is where we're trying to turning a corner a bit, um, on one hand, I was talking to some leaders that were in the HR and recruiting space. And when they were uh, talking about what they can do, how they can maybe utilize some of the tools and um, coaching opportunities. But one of the things that really is, that struck them in their particular business was, we just don't even have enough candidates. Like, so, so being able to, you know, create this job target and, and find our, our, the greatest personalities that will work well, although that's a valid strategy, they felt like, well, we don't even have enough we don't even have enough people to do that. So if we get a warm body and we think that they're going to pass, you know, the minimum requirements, we're really just offering, you know, putting offer letters out there. Um, and interestingly, one of the things that we were able to talk through a little bit more the next time we spoke was, you know, maybe, maybe it's also good getting ahead of that and saying, when I'm putting out those ads for this job, how do I attract the right candidates, right? So we all know that in general, if there's a bunch of people hiring, then how you position the opportunity is going to be very, it's very important at that point. And, you know, we think we're going to cast a really wide net, but I would tell you that if you, if you really knew the type of person who was going to be successful in a specific role, and you then were able to use some of the tools that we talk about um, to better resonate, right? So if I'm somebody who likes to be collaborative, I like working on a team, um, but I also like to be able to make certain decisions and I like some autonomy, then if that's what you think is going to be really important for a role, making sure that you're speaking the language and putting that out there from the beginning of what this 
who would, who would this appeal to? And some ads I see are amazing for that, but definitely employers, if they don't have really um, seasoned recruiters, that's an area that they struggle. So that's one thing is, is finding just enough candidates to even get to the point of making sure they get the right candidate in the seat. Um, the other one that is still, it's been going on for a while, we've all heard enough about it, but I just had a conversation with a CEO the other day and um, he was talking about, we were first talking about the, the benefits of Zoom and all the things that came from, I guess, 2020 and needing to, to do this more with cameras. And um, interestingly, he kind of took it in a different direction because I completely agree with that idea. I think the fact that we could, you and I could feel like we know each other so well and we've only met in person one time is because of this, this technology. But he actually went a step further to tell, uh, to say that because this is so effective, he felt that, well, if this is effective and better than a conference call or a phone call, then we have to know that in-person is still better than all of that. So I'm going to get all of my people to get back to this office as soon as I feel it's you know feasible to demand it, right? And he's a, a rather large technology company here locally in Arizona. And what was interesting about that was um, I'm seeing that, you know, employers are definitely drawing a line in the sand a lot of cases because we're now at the point where we're getting close to 2022. Um, and I would say that... It's an easier route on one hand to say, we're just gonna get back to normal, the, the old normal. Um, we all know that that's part of the, the great um, <laughs> resignation is that people are, are going to say, you know, after going through this and knowing what I'm capable of at home or being near my children or whatever the reasons are, I'm not up for that. And they'll, they'll decide to go somewhere else. Where I'm seeing some, some positives is that even for the employer who says, this is just not gonna work for my culture to be remote. I don't know how to manage the teams on that, on that level. I think it's too complicated. And for what we do, we just need to kind of get, we're all in the same space and we can have that face-to-face. -face. Um, there will be a cost to pay for, for taking that stance for sure. Um, but I do believe there are obviously, we know people who employees who don't want to work in hybrid teams. They, they, they miss the old as well. They want to go to a place where everyone's going to be in the office and they're gonna have that face-to-face -face that just suits them. So I think that employers and employees will find each other. It just will take a while. As I feel of it like um, almost like the musical chairs, right? So people will be moving around. And once everyone settles, people will be more aligned with um, maybe the culture and the, um, I guess, really where they think that they're going to be best suited, right? Which I say culture, but it, it can be any, it could be your philosophy, it can be the way you look at it. Um, but employers are trying to figure out where they stand on that and what at what cost they're willing to say, I know I'm gonna lose some people, but this is where I'm at. And those seem to be the two biggest ones that are just standing out to me. The need to find candidates and the lack of, of I guess, getting what they feel is the most qualified to even have a choice. And then knowing who will I lose when I make these decisions about hybrid, all on, you know, all on site, et cetera. Hmm. I love all of that. And when you, when you made your first point, it got me thinking about um, leaders needing to have courage because what you were talking about was these job descriptions and how oftentimes right now leaders are feeling like they have to make these broad job descriptions and cast this net in a way that it's going to reach a ton of people, but it might not be the right people versus narrowing your description a little bit more to attract the type of person that you truly want for that role, which if I were in an employer's shoes, I think that would feel a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that it, that leaders are kind of scared to make some of those decisions or what are some of the challenges that you've even heard in addition to what you've already talked about um, that leaders are having trouble making? 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is scary because it's almost, I, it, to me, it's no different than when um, when you're in business and they say the more you can niche down your offering, it feels counterintuitive to go specifically after and target the people who you really want as your target customer. You want to say, I can help everyone. But um, as they've always said, if people feel like, like they're one of many, um, unfortunately, it actually works the opposite. I think that's, you know, even in candidates. So what we're trying to tell um, employers to do is like, maybe give it a try. So, so you can still have maybe on a couple of your job boards, you can, you know, cast that wide net if it's Indeed or something else where you're just like, hey, let's see what we get. But if you're looking like at a LinkedIn or some of those, and those are a little bit more of those very specific places, um, give it a try. Like, just be able to say, I'm just going to go after this specific target and see if you don't find that even if you don't get as many in a quantity, the quality starts to change. And so we have a couple of employers who actually opted to get really specific on their job targeting. Uh, they happen to use the PI system. So they have the higher module. They really do want to, but we're, we're using it, like I said, on the front end of let's make sure we're writing the ads to attract the person that we have now with all the stakeholders involved have determined this is the person who would be the most um, who's going to be the most successful based on everything that we've, we've figured out internally. Because remember too, and this is the thing I sometimes have to remind employers of is, you know, calculate the cost of a bad hire. Remind, you know, remember it's, it's, it's two things, right? It's the training, the onboarding, it's all the things that happen right before they end up leaving. So there was time of your training, uh, you know, obviously resources, the pay, and now you have to replace them. So you have to kind of add that cost to the now new cost of someone else. On top of that, if they're becoming a part of a team, an existing team, if you're not fully aware of how that personality or that type is going to work well within that team, you could really start to cause a disengagement of some of your top performers unintentionally. So it really can um, reverberate if you have a bad hire and we can't avoid all of them, but to the level that you can, it still feels like if it takes just a little longer, but to get something that's going to be more sustainable, that it really is just a better business decision. But you're right. It definitely gets people a little bit afraid because what used to work, um, you know, back when everyone would just apply and you just had, I just think we're finding that people are getting much more selective. That's why there's, you know, a lot of positions we hear about on the news that are, that are just going un, unfilled um, because people are starting to realize that they have choices. So it, I, think, I think employers have to be willing to get a little more strategic. And that's where we really help walk them through, kind of baby step them wherever they're at, because not everyone can jump in with both feet. Well, and on that, that second piece that you had talked about with um, some employers trying to make this decision of, hey, do I bring everyone back in the office? Do I leave everyone remote? Um, do I have this hybrid situation? I guess, can you speak at all to maybe the, the pros and cons of the different situations that a company could have? Yeah, I, sure. I mean, what, what we're definitely finding is, you know, if you were one of those companies who allowed a certain level of flexibility when, you know, maybe uh, your employees needed to work from home and it was more situational, right? Like, oh, I have someone coming to my house or my kids are off school for the week or whatever it may be. There was a lot of employers, at least here locally, who were at least kind of getting a little more comfortable with that, but they were not going to just blanketly say, oh, you can do that whenever you want. It was definitely not the thing. So it was still uncomfortable. We went into 2020 and everyone had to, to do that. Um, what we have found is for the ones who have said, you know what, it's, 
it's not my preferred, but I definitely, it's worth keeping people. It's worth, you know, creating maybe a little bit more flexibility on a more ongoing basis than we did before. Um, you, you're watching them start with policies where they're actually asking the employee to draw a line in the sand as well, to say, am I going to be hybrid? And if so, that means I'm X amount of days at, at you know, in the office versus at home. And they're wanting them to be a little bit more on a schedule of that. So what will that look like? And in some cases, I've even seen where they've said, okay, well, in our office space, we're now going to allocate the shared office spaces instead of you having your own office or you having your own cube uh, to really kind of find out where people are going to end up. And in doing so, um, I think the, the physicality of it is going to be interesting because obviously I just saw an article the other day and it was so true. It said employees don't really, I mean, they want flexibility, but it's not just flexibility. They don't want to know they can work two days a week from home or that's great, but they actually want autonomy, right? They want a little bit more of that I can choose the days that I want to. Um, and so the employers who are, are really able, and I don't wanna say just willing, but able to be that kind of flexible, um, I think you're gonna fare better in terms of retention. That being said, there's a new set of challenges in that. Um, you, you kind of alluded to it before, but I had mentioned originally that we could, when we talk to people about a communication style, um, you know, just because, so let's say I'm someone who likes to talk things out and you tend to be someone who likes to maybe have some time to think things through. If we're both people who just decided we're both going to be on site, maybe it's because of the fact that I like to be around people and you just don't have a good office space at home. It doesn't change the fact that just because you happen to be the one of my team that's in the office that you don't now all of a sudden want to have chit chatting during the day. You don't want me to come and um, bombard you with thoughts and ideas. I still need to be looking at, you know, do I need to give you time to think something through before we have a discussion? Um, by that same token, there could be people like me that are sitting remote. They decide to be mostly remote or, or they're remote on certain days. Knowing that your teammate happens to be someone who likes to talk things through and as a leader, I need to make sure I am providing enough opportunities for that engagement to continue. So even though we won't physically be in the same space, I need to know enough about your communication styles to work that into this hybrid model. And I think that is definitely the more complicated piece but it's only complicated if you don't know what you're dealing with, right? If you're guessing. So we have found that when we have companies who've made decisions around hybrid or remote or whatever they're gonna do, and they have opted to really do some of this team awareness and making sure that everyone understands their styles and their, their teammate styles, now just figuring out the logistics of how you can make that work into this new schedule and this new system, it is not impossible. Um, it does take intention, but I would argue that even before the pandemic, employers who are more intentional about the way they build their culture and the way they support their employees have always fared better in terms of productivity, engagement, and retention. So I think that's just now being almost required of you to say, I'm going to do something or I'm not, and we'll just see what happens. Well, it's interesting. I want to unpack this one component a little bit more based on something I heard recently. I was talking with a leader and they were complaining, I guess you could say, about the fact that if someone is not physically in the office, um, that it's going to be harder to consider them as someone that they would want to promote, which obviously like that hurts, that hurts my heart. I'm sure it probably hurts a little bit for you as well, but it's, it's something that I think leaders are again, scared about is hey, if I allow enough people to be remote, how am I going to continue to see their skill sets? And I think they're calling it distance bias. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. something like that. And so I was just wanting to know if you have any additional um, thoughts or ideas on that particular topic of, hey, if I'm not in person with someone, how am I going to know what they're capable of? 
And how do we overcome that objection and that challenge that some leaders are maybe feeling a little bit scared about? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't had that one specifically come up, but it's very valid. Um, interestingly, that leader is admitting they probably have that bias, right? Because they're already saying, if I'm going to be around this, if I'm hanging around or getting to see someone in the hall and I don't see someone else in the hall, um, the, the likelihood is I'm going to you know, create this bond or affinity for this person and I may miss somebody else. I think then where, where we're seeing is, you know, again, technology is so wonderful in the fact that you can create opportunities for um, if you're not already doing as a leader, um, you know, weekly check-ins with, with your team, with each teammate, right? So do something as a team, do something with each individual. They can be brief, right? Just those really quick, like, tell me what's going on. Let me know what you need. But also I would say that you have to be then very diligent as a leader to say, I need to stay in contact with all of my employees, regardless of their personality, work style, and where they're located. If I'm allowing for that type of diversity amongst my, my team, um, because if I find out that that as I'm talking to someone, hey, wh what is it that you're hoping for? Where do you where do you see your your um, kind of where do you want to go? Where where would you like to be in you know six months, twelve months, two years? How do you see yourself evolving? What can we do to support that? Because if I'm hearing from someone who might again be a little bit more you know introverted, I'll, I'll use that term, uh, a little bit more of someone who doesn't just freely speak their mind, and they happen to be working remote even partially. Um, not asking them and not being aware of what their goals and, and, and ideas would be. Um, as a leader, I have to take some responsibility in that because again, I ha can't expect that every employee is going to communicate that verbally to me off, you know, when they're thinking about it, because um, that's again, where some of those biases come in because we tend to like people who communicate like us. So we will not realize that there are some wonderful opportunities um, with people who are actually going to be good offsets and balances for us. So that to me is one of those things where if I'm knowing that, if I recognize that as an issue, I need to go out of my way to find ways to make sure that I'm aware of what each of, of my teammates would like what they're looking for and how I can support it as a leader. Um, I have also seen some employers uh, decide, and I think this is great, especially if they're still local, because a lot of times that if, if they were in person before, they're most likely still local here, is saying, if you're gonna allow for some people to be you know, 75% or more hybrid, but you have maybe monthly, you know, uh, kind of everyone's on site, require it. I think that's very valid to say, I will let you for the most part, you know, work from home if that works for you, but you're going to be in person for any meeting with a client that requires it. Any strategic planning meetings we have, any of these like, you know, maybe all hands, you're going to physically be there. So I think there's ways that you can still accommodate the autonomy and know what the what the parameters are. Set the boundaries, knowing that that's what's really going to make sure that you can, I guess, almost even the playing field a little bit. Um, it's not going to be a perfect science. And, and you're right. There's definitely some biases that will occur because we as people just tend to do that. But I think when you are aware of it, you can, if you want to, be intentional enough to find ways to um, lessen the chance of it being adversely affecting anyone. Mm. Well, I want to go back to something you said again, because you keep talking about this concept of um, autonomy. And I really loved what you said about it's not just about flexibility, it's about autonomy. Could you um, just for us listening, um, differentiate when you say it's not just about flexibility, it's really about autonomy. If you were to give those kind of some definitions and the difference between the two, could you elaborate mm -hmm. on that a little bit? 
Yeah, so it's interesting because I think before pandemic, everyone, the, the, the word that people like to look at was, you know, is there flexibility? And flexibility meant that if I needed to work from home or if I told you ahead of time something was going on or I wasn't feeling well or my kid is sick or whatever, that I'd have a little bit of that flexibility to um, work remote in those situations. And that seemed like at the time, especially in certain um, geographies, that that was was pretty progressive, right? That was that was interesting because not everyone was like that. Um, what we're finding now is when people try to go, when employers try to go back to that idea of flexibility, they're typically saying, you know, especially to maybe new hires, you'll see them say, you can work up to three days, you know, um, remote. And it, their, their intention is that we're going to qualify what the days are, how that fits with other schedules. Um, it's, you know, probably subject to change. It's all those different things. And so employees coming out of a fully, uh, remote situation or thinking, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily like that either. That you're going to tell me which days, and then if that changes for some reason, that it, they're going to feel like that was still um, being put in a box. Or to what I was telling you before, you have to declare ahead of time what level of on-site versus remote are you going to be. And once you pick it, it's going to determine if you have a seat. It's going to determine the days that we expect you. So it really sets this whole. I'm going to have the last word as the employer, which again, you're paying me, but I'm going to have that last word. So you need to tell me what your intention is so I can set it. So I'm calling it flexible as an employer because I'm not making you come to the to the office five days a week. But I'm not really being flexible because once you actually tell me what your 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 plan is, I'm going to tell you what your actual plan is. The autonomy is what we all experienced it was forced autonomy, right? But it was what we experienced when everybody went home. And yes, you had meetings to be on and you had to be there for the Zoom. Um, those were all required. But when you had spaces of time, you could figure out when you wanted to get your project work done. There was understanding that your kids couldn't go to daycare. you know. So if you had to help them with school, you might have to work on something at nine o'clock at night. That created um, a feeling of, I'm an adult. I'm, you have to trust me. You don't have a choice. So I'm actually going to get my work done, but I'm not going to have someone looking at me, you know, every five minutes because you're not here. I don't have to look busy. I'm busy, but I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. And I'm working it into the flow of my life and what works for me. Um, some people just really, they, they love that and they, they crave it. And the idea that you're going to not give them a certain amount of autonomy. And I would actually replace the word autonomy with trust mm. um, because I think in general, Anytime I've ever worked, you know, in my career, ever worked for an employer where I started to feel like I wanted to almost give less than I was capable of or just enough was the minute I started to feel like the trust was not there. You were actually making sure you were getting your money's worth. And the minute you start to, to, to like put those little seeds of doubt, people who don't feel trusted or appreciated, all of a sudden, not only does their engagement go down, but their productivity just kind of goes, okay, I was actually the one who was willing to answer emails on the weekend, do what I needed to do, even if I was on vacation, whatever it was. But if you're going to make me feel like it's an eight to five, and if I don't look a certain way or be a certain way, I'm going to give you less. That's just the way that that's the way disengagement works, right? So I would just tell you that sometimes autonomy looks like trust. I don't know if you've, you've had employers that recently, um, give unlimited vacation, right? Like they don't have a restriction on when they have vacation. The studies have actually shown people in those environments take less vacation on average than people who have an exact amount and then it's use it or lose it. So again, when we just give people the chance to make decisions for themselves and we trust them not to abuse it, people tend to, again, with good intent, tend to do more for a company and give extra because they feel like 
they're appreciated on some level. I think that's where the autonomy really fits in. It's not a, I don't want rules. We live in a, a world of rules, but they want to feel trusted and they want to feel like you don't think that they're not an adult who can handle the responsibility of doing their job and managing their life. Love that. Well, and what you're really speaking to is kind of the importance of a lot of the other stuff we talk about with um, just taking care of people and making sure that your employees are staying engaged and not getting burnt out, um, all of those things. I mean, do you have any other thoughts around um, words of encouragement or tips on how employers can continue to make sure that they're taking care of their employees so that they don't get burned out? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, a, that's a loaded one, right? Because it just depends on obviously what's happened throughout this. Obviously, if there's a lot of um, there's a lot of layoffs at a company or there was a lot of restructuring of teams and people had to just kind of take on more. We were just alluding to before when everybody was remote uh, in most um, industries, there was some that didn't have a workspace. They had kids at home that were dealing with school. So there, there is a, a level of burnout that the employer only can do so much. So they can obviously make sure that there are resources. Um, we actually had, I sat in, a, in an HR um, executive forum couple weeks ago, and one of the uh, HR uh, leaders here locally of a larger company said they've actually found that they've had a couple people that have just, they've just gone off the grid for a day. Like literally they, no one heard from them. They didn't know what was going on when they finally, you know, resurfaced said, I'm really sorry. I had to take a mental health day. I was just dealing. And the way that that company was handling it is they just, they, they basically took it as a, okay, thank you for letting us know. I'm glad you're okay they didn't actually decide to do any kind of disciplinary action. They didn't decide to kind of take the things that maybe you would normally do to say, hey, that, that was wrong. They've created a little bit of grace as it relates to people are just going through stuff. And I know that during kind of the throes of 2020 and some of the social injustice pieces and other just other things that were affecting people on a level that we just have never experienced, right? Especially in this country. Um, the employers that were willing to just listen and sometimes just say, I know that I don't understand, but I'm going to give you the space to, you know, to just be. And if you need something from me, tell me, but I'm not going to assume that I know why you feel or how you feel. So th those, those things have been one way to give people a little bit of that, I guess, uh, I guess I'll just use the word grace. Um, that's one tactic. And again, that just depends on your industry and maybe what's been going on. Uh, the other piece that I, I was just talking to a nonprofit client of ours the other day, and they've just been building and growing so quickly. And she was saying how they have a lot of compliance pieces because they've opened a clinic and there's just a lot. So she was saying, yeah, my people are just so um, bombarded between now and the end of the year with training. So, you know, I don't want to overload them with anything. And I, it was funny. I said, you know, remember you're employing a bunch of givers, people who are just constantly giving of themselves. What we want to do is actually not give them more tests. We don't want to give them more to study for, but we want them to feel in moments like they are heard. What is the best way that we on the outside as influent can support you as trying to you know, move this mission forward, keep your employees engaged, not have them go into burnout because people who are givers tend to easily get to there because they forget to refill for themselves. Um, and when, when I was talking with her about that, she said, you know, that, that's, that's so true. I do need my employees to have those little timeouts where we can just check in with them. And it's hard for one person, you know, this is a, a CEO that is just completely 
in, you know, engrossed in the community and, and leading this mission. She can't be everywhere at once. So for her to be able to have partners like Influent, like others that really help find unique ways to pour back into her people. Um, it's not always financial. It's not always days off. Sometimes it's just, again, getting them reconnected to their why and that they are supported in that. And they're not just cogs in a wheel, right? For the greater good of the company. Um, we're finding that those little moments of wins can actually be just enough to give them some, you know, kind of air back in their lungs. And uh, because not everyone has the same resources to be, you know, hey, I won't worry if you go off the grid for a couple of days, or I'm going to be able to, you know, give you a bonus here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's where we've, it can be as simple or it can be more elaborate, but it, it should be at least acknowledged and tried. So to your point, you know, you should care enough about, you know, I had someone the other day say, I just need my employees to take care of my clients. That, that is, that is their job. I'm like, yeah, but you got to make sure that if you don't take care of them first, they don't have what it takes to take care of your clients at the level that you want them to. And that's the piece we don't want to miss in all of this. Mm, take care of your employees and they'll take care of you, right? Absolutely. They'll take care of your clients. I think that was um, a case study we've probably learned about too, Shauna, with the South, I think it's Southwest Airlines. They started, they changed all their mission and values to, instead of being client first, they became employee first and their sales went through the roof. Their ratings went through the roof. I think um, a lot of businesses need to be reminded of that. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, as we look to kind of get towards wrapping up here, Shauna, I'm curious, um, we've talked a lot about really great leadership qualities that are important. If you were to give your own definition of what it means to be a great leader or what leadership means to you, what would that look like or sound like? Yeah, I think aside from what we have already said, when I think about people in my life and times where I feel like I was probably most successful, even as a leader myself, was when I, as a leader, was very selfless in terms of, I really looked at how can I bring out the best in the people that rely and look to me. Um, in doing so, what you don't realize usually in the moment because you're so focused on how do I help develop the, you know, the people that, that, are, that need me, that are looking for um, that guidance. Uh, in looking at that, you really look at them and see how can I help them be successful? Never thinking for a second that somehow their success could hinder your success, that it could somehow, um, that somehow that, that, that there's like a lack, right? I think there's a lack mindset versus an abundance mindset. And in leadership, you should always think abundance. Um, you know, people probably heard the terms of where, you know, you should look for your replacement, right? You should be, you should be training your replacement, but they forget that that's also, so you get to move to the next level or whatever your next is, because we should never as leaders stop growing. So it's never just get comfortable. I would say that the best leaders I've ever had have been ones that, it was so easy to tell that they had my best interest at heart, right? In, in whatever, if I went to them about a question, I never wondered if the motivation behind their answer or their support or their ideas um, was self-serving. Self Those are the best leaders and the ones who are not intimidated by your growth and success. So I would just say that, again, that so much starts with self-awareness because the more I feel good about me, and the more I understand that what I bring to the table is not threatened by anyone else who's awesome in their own way, then I can let go of the, um, the I, I would say the barriers as a leader that can happen. They're usually out of, if you become defensive or you feel insecure, that starts with you. So I would say as, as leaders, 
becoming self-aware can help you become more secure and confident, which is going to allow you to be excited to help other people achieve that if they haven't. Um, that, that's, I guess, what I would say. It, it sounds like it all comes back to the same thing. But again, based on my experience, the best leaders, the most confident and secure ones, because they're givers, they are not worried about if it's equal or if they're going to get back because they're always open. And I just feel like that pay it forward idea, um, especially in leadership. If you've had wonderful leaders in your life, if you've had other people help you get where you are, never forget that that is how you got there. And always think, how can I do that for the people that are looking for me? Um, I just don't think you can go wrong that way. You won't be perfect, but no one's usually looking for perfect. They're just looking for your genuine uh, willingness and openness to help. And people will be drawn to that. Mm. I love that. No one's looking for perfect. I think some of the most influential leaders that I've experienced in my life are those who admit when they're wrong, those who are humble. And like you said, those who are givers, man, Shauna, you've had so many, I've written down some really great nuggets, even from our conversation today. And I'm so proud to call you a friend and collaborative partner. And um, this has been really, really fun for me to have this conversation with you. And so for our listeners out there, um, tell, tell us how can we help you or how can we be connected with you? What are some ways that our listeners can engage with you, Shauna? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I'd love, obviously LinkedIn is a great place because you can, you know, I love to engage with people. I have found that um, in a lot of cases, if if people are are excited to do so, I have a lot of just peers like you that we, we set up a Zoom and we just have a, a quick, you know, coffee chat, but just ways that we can help each other. And I just feel like um, that I'm open to that with anybody. I think that is probably the most exciting part of what I'm doing now is I get to go into each conversation with no expectation. I just get to see, is there a way I can give? And, um, it's just been so fun. So if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, it is, uh, Shauna R. Reed. Um, that is my, it's my LinkedIn handle. Um, you know, mfluent.com, uh, E-M-F-L-U-E-N-T.com is our website. Uh, and really just, like I said, LinkedIn's great because it's a, it's a quick way that you can even message, but I would love to talk with and, and meet with anyone if they want to, um, just get another person. The nice thing is we don't have to live in the same state to help each other. So I'm open to it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shana, for joining us today and to our listeners tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, we're really excited that you tuned in today and hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Kelsey. It was awesome as always. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that this was helpful for someone, but it was so great to talk with you.